do another show where we teach you the rules. <laughs> Perfect. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rules as Written. The Raw. Christ. <laughs> said interrupt more. <laughs> The D&D podcast where we go through the rules, the finer points of D&D. We teach you how to play. Probably wrong, but we're trying our best, and that's what counts. Yeah. So this week we're going to be looking at the other three stats, base stats that we didn't look at. Arguably the less important ones from a barbarian standpoint. From a barbarian standpoint. (laughs) (laughs) But these are all pretty important for spellcasters. All these last three are spellcasting abilities. Yeah, and also you can see that it seems like these factor much more into skill checks than the first three. Yeah, way more. I think the only one that comes close is dexterity. Mm. The uh, strength is pretty straightforward and con is as straightforward as it gets. Okay, so the first one, intelligence. Intelligence. When do you when do you get called for an intelligence check? Like just a straight intelligence check? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. I guess if we're trying to like look for stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of a broad thing. I think intelligence is really, really well broken down. Doing something that requires knowledge. Yeah, doing something that requires intelligence normally falls into one of the skill categories that they have statted out for you. Yeah, because there's a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, the player's handbook says things like win a game of skill could be an intelligence check, but I would normally put that down to a sleight of hand check, maybe. Yeah, like, what does that mean? Are you playing dice? I guess if you're playing chess or something. Okay. Yeah, when that happens. (laughs) Dragon chess. Forge a document. Very relatable game. Recall lore about a craft or trade. I tend to like roll that in with history as well. Mostly because history is such an underused stat. There's a lot games. of them actually. Mm, definitely. So let's break it down. Intelligence, the first one that we come up with is Arcana. I would say that might be the most used intelligence check. Yeah, in Arcana and Investigation. Ooh, no. Yeah, Investigation, that's the other one. Yeah. Um, could you actually briefly tell the difference between Arcana and Investigation and when you would use one over the other? So Arcana is recalling lore, mostly about spells or magic items. The player's handbook has it down as lore, but I use it to also see if something is magical, to give someone a very, That's very interesting. base overview of... I mean, if you do an Arcana check, I'm not going to give you all the stats to a magic item if I want it to be like a exploration in finding out what that item does but it's like oh this is a you get a good vibe a good magical vibe you're a wizard you're in tune with arcana stuff like this magic weapon doesn't seem too cursed <laughs> cursed light <laughs> diet curse i i we've used arcana a lot for doing things like detect magic light you know what i mean yeah i've like, used it for that as well is Which that like one of the like intended purposes of it no i don't think it is but I think I think it's such an intuitive thing to have. And part of me does regret it every time because it, it becomes very go-to. Like anything magical, might as well pass it through the Arcana check. Yeah, most of the time we get like very general knowledge from your games though, where it's more on the, it's just on the side of like, is there magic present? Y slash N? Like, <laughs> is it yeah, is it yeah, good yeah. magic? Maybe. <laughs> what kind, is it celestial magic? We Are don't usually get like, Maybe you get a good vibe. Yeah, I'm normally 
Keep it very uh, surface level. After that, then you're gonna need to do some hardcore investigating. Investigating is pretty much for non-magical things. I try and use it for looking for clues. I also use investigation for like trying to find shops. If you're like, I wanna find the best tailor in town. I normally make you guys take a investigation check, right? Yeah. Or sometimes history if we've been there before. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. An investigation check if you find the best tailor in town. If you do quite well, if you do high on it, then yeah, you'll find the best tailor. If not, you'll find that shack in the dock in Oxford. Yeah, and their their <laughs> accent will be according to <laughs> according to the role. The the lower the role, the more working class accent. <laughs> so yeah, I, that, I think that really takes over Arcana. It's really the um, I use it as a kind of detect magic light, as you said but also give you very, very base information about something. What about lore, briefly? Like, would you do that about items or can you do it about places or even cultures or whatever? Is that an arcana check? So with cultures, definitely a history check. I'd put that in. It's really individualistic. It's kind of like, do I want to know where this weapon was made? Like, mm. was it made in a dwarven hold? I'd probably lean you towards a history check. Like, do you know these dwarves? Like, have you? are they famous for making magical weapons? Right. If it's more like, this was birthed from the Eldritch Horrors beyond, maybe I'll lean towards an Arcana check. Something that's more inherently magical. It's a bit of a blurred line, I think. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so what would be your kind of like go-to rule of thumb for like a DM who wants to like quickly determine whether or not this should be an Arcana check versus a history check? Is it from a people's in your world? Ah, if okay. yes, history, then you can explain more about the world. I'm coming at all of this from a homebrew standpoint as well. Mm. If it's not from this world, if it's a celestial weapon, unless that celestial place, like you're going to, I think it is Mount Celestia, it's just the yeah. name <laughs> the name of the, uh, the law one, then I would do an arcana check. Okay. I think it is, it is a bit one of those gut feeling things. It's just like, am I trying to focus on the magical aspect of this weapon or the history aspect? And what do the players want to know? I think that's also a kind of important thing. Okay. So next thing that leads us neatly onto history. Now the player's handbook, it says, wars, legendary people, ancient kingdoms, past disputes, recent wars, and lost civilizations. See, that doesn't sound like something that comes up very often. You would think it comes <laughs> up more. I think, I think if your campaign is really written down to the letter, if you've really got a whole idea. Like a very lore heavy. Yeah, very lore heavy campaign and your players have a set path as it were, mm. which isn't a good or a bad thing. Some people just prefer it that way. It's more fleshed out. Yeah, the campaign that we play in is a bit more touch and go, I'd yeah. say. So there is history, there is kind of stuff built into the world, but it doesn't actually come up too much. I find that I prefer it when you go and interact with someone to find out that information. Mm. So you'll go interact with some courtier or something if you want to find like, why does this kingdom hate this other kingdom? Go talk to a courtier, go talk to a librarian. Maybe they'll give you the information. In which case, it kind of comes down to charisma. Yeah, which we'll go to soon. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one, investigation. We've already touched on this a little bit. When do I make you do investigation checks? Oh, that's kind of in the name. I mean, I feel like that's a little bit more everyday acceptable kind of skill where it's like finding stuff or having to look for clues or whenever you're trying to observe something closely and spend a lot of time doing it. Yeah, I think that works on two levels. You can either have observing clues at like a crime scene or even observing clues in like a scroll. People forget mm. that you can use it in just like searching through texts and things. I think that's a kind of important. What about if you want to investigate something 
and you want to do it using people, right? Like, you're like a Sherlock Holmes about it. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of, like, stuff about a room, and there's, like, a lot of information around you and objects and stuff like that. Like, maybe is it possible for you to just be like, I want to ask around? Like, you're not doing anything in particular. Would you choose to roleplay that in each individual thing? Or would you have, like, a, you've been asking around town and this is what you found? I think if you come to a point where you're asking around, generally, yeah, then your campaign is on shaky ground. <laughs> like, like they, they should have a clue to go on or something to push them. Unless your playgroup really, really enjoys kind of vague asking arounds, which mm. sometimes doing the roleplay aspect, like, can just get improv and crazy. That can be what your campaign's about. In Investigation, you could use the investigation check to find a clue to point you in the right direction. Okay. Instead of just asking around, you find a clue and it's the locket of some wife of the person murdered. And it's like, oh, we need to focus down on this wife. She's, she was clearly here or something. So investigation is kind of a much more physical thing. There is a little section in the player's handbook about finding hidden objects, which can also be used as a perception check, which we'll get onto in Wisdom. Cool. So the next one's nature. 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 Yeah, this one, I feel like unless you have one of those party members, <laughs> I feel like that's enough said. Like, unless you have one of those party members. Like, one of those party <laughs> You probably won't. Like, unless you have, like, a druid or someone whose personality is kind of druidic, mm. then you probably won't be rolling a lot of nature. Yeah, I mean, it can be used... What is just lost? By... <laughs> <laughs> it can be used if you guys are just out adventuring in the wild to find out things about the local terrain and stuff. I mean, you can use it as a kind of investigation of the wilds. Okay, so what would that look like practically? Like, I want to know what... I don't know, what would I, what would I want to know about, like, the wild around me? So if you're looking for a cave you could do a nature check and it's mm. like you roll very high it's like oh you see some cliffs off in the distance to the west you think there may be some clay caves there it seems like a good place to start all of these intelligence checks are based around recalling lore apart from investigation the arcana is about recalling magic history is about recalling history nature they all use the word recall in it Right, so you have knowledge of this thing and you're Your using character it. has knowledge of that thing and the DM is kind of giving you that knowledge to the player. Mm -hmm. So a good, a good way to use this is to use it to flesh out your world on the fly. I personally don't DM that way, as I'm sure you've noticed. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer you guys to kind of figure it out and use your actual real life brains. <laughs> um, Boo. <laughs> I want to roll dice and get information handed to me. Which is, again, a totally valid way of playing, completely and utterly. But I personally think it's more rewarding to figure this stuff out. And I would hope that I put the breadcrumbs out there for you to figure it out. If I'm just throwing a map at you and saying, well, where's the dragon? <laughs> then I think I'm kind of failing at that. I should have given you clues and stuff. I hope yeah. I have, at least. I don't know. Yeah, everybody, I feel like that's a big topic of how to how to leave clues for players for them to be able to like discover something. Yeah, that's a huge thing. We'll do an episode on that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> drop us a comment. See if that's something that's interesting to you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> In the little doobly-doo below. <laughs> no one says doobly-doo anymore. Have you noticed? That's an old Vlogbrothers thing. Guys. Yeah, that's like a like a Hank Green type yeah. of... Yeah. Man. Anyway, so the last thing to say about intelligence is that it's the spellcasting ability of wizards. Only wizards use intelligence. It's the spellcasting ability, which means it kind of determines how good they are at spells. 
Spellcasting ability is basically how good you are at spells. Yeah, strength for wizards. Yeah, pretty much. So, But does not increase their damage, right? Uh, sometimes it can. Oh. Sometimes you'll see it in a spell's description to add your proficiency bonus to damage, although it's incredibly rare. Mm. Read the spell's description. Yeah, read, reading the spell explains <laughs> before, the spell. <laughs> before you tell the DM what you want to do, read the description. Yeah, don't eye up the keyword of <laughs> explodes, and it's like, ah, oh, perfect, I want to explode something. Yourself? What? <laughs> Why do I have this spell? <laughs> Who made this? <laughs> okay, so the next one we're going to go on to is wisdom. Wisdom. Oh, we didn't cover religion. We didn't. Yeah, a little hasty there. So the next check we're going to look at is religion. Now religion, it's a check that measures your ability to recall lore about deities, rites, and prayers, etc, etc. It's basically how much do you know about religion. Right, so similar to history. Yeah, it seems like these things are kind of foils of each other. So like arcana and investigation are similar signs of the same coin. Yeah. Whereas like history and religion are also similar, but for different reasons. Yeah, I mean, religion plays a huge part in D&D. I mean, gods are always dicking around with some part of the world in some way in nearly all campaign settings. And of course, paladins, their whole deal is a god. Clerics, their whole deal is a god. So religion can be a real important thing in your game, but I find players don't use it that much. Don't what would you? Yeah, checks. what would you use a religion check for other than the like I feel the only thing that jumps to mind is asking about this god. What is this god's deal? What's he about? That's pretty much it. I mean, these all come into investigations. Mm -hmm. Wait, like you're trying to find some information. That's what all of these are about. If you walk into a temple and you see a symbol and your DM describes a symbol to you. So, I'm in a temple, religion check on the symbol. And it's like, "Oh, that's Tiamat's symbol. She's yeah, whatever, whatever name <laughs> that just pops into your mind at the time. <laughs> yeah, so religion checks are pretty self-explanatory. I think it's really something you've got to build into your world. You have to really do think about fleshing out the religious part of your world if you want to get the most out of this in the same way that you might want to flesh out the history of your world. Mm. So I guess for from the player's standpoint, you can I, like ask yourself, do I have the kind of DM that knows all of this stuff about the world that I'm about to play in when you're choosing whether or not you want to be proficient in this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> all right, next one, wisdom. So wisdom is how how in tune with the world you are. Now there's a difference between wisdom and intelligence. The classic saying is, intelligence is knowing tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. Hmm. So <laughs> I was expecting more of a chuckle from you there, JT. But... Well, I'm kind of silently disagreeing. I think that there might be some kinds of fruit salads that would benefit from a little, little tomato in there. <laughs> you make it, you try it, tell me how it is. <laughs> So yeah, wisdom is kind of applying that knowledge in the world. Intelligence is gathering the knowledge, recalling lore and things. Wisdom is how you imply it. So the first one is animal handling. A big thing that comes in with is driving horse and carts. If you're mounted, that's a big part. You'll be making animal handling checks to see if they're spooked or anything. Okay, do you, use, do you ever use animal handling when dealing with animals of the world that are hostile to you? Yeah, I think there's definitely a place for Like a tiger, like a tiger yeah. hunting you. Yeah, I think you could, maybe not a tiger. Tiger, <laughs> tigers, 
Things are bastards. <laughs> but if you find maybe a wolf out in the wild, a lone wolf, I think there's a, like a reasonable connection to be made there. So animal so, handling might be yeah, a way to- Yeah, if you're a druidy person. Scare them off or- Or even just kind of befriend them. Oh, speak a little wolf. Yeah, have like, a little have a little chat down. Sniff its butt. Yeah. But in the correct way. Exactly. That's the, that's the you don't want to be part. sniffing the wrong butt. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be sniffing his lady's butt. Oh, <laughs> that's going to be a full part. <laughs> um, so Animal Handling's pretty straightforward. Insight. Now, insight is, I think, quite an underused stat because people forget to apply it. Oh, not for me, baby. Yeah, you, you <laughs> definitely do it more than anyone else. But it's kind is of- Is he lying? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me the truth. <laughs> Why don't you cast Zone of Truth? I'm a barbarian! <laughs> Who's proficient in insight? <laughs> so, yeah, it's really trying to find out if someone's lying is the classic. Yeah. Thing, but also finding out someone's next move. You can also use it for that. Like, what do you think they're going to do? If you were doing some in-depth game of chess, if you were like rolling through every few minutes, yeah, you could use it to predict your opponent's next move or something. See if they're, or like a game of poker. I think that would be a really good way to use insight. I'm not sure how many people play like games move for move in D&D. Uh, it's few and far between, but if you are one of those people, <laughs> we got you covered. <laughs> uh, and could you use it also to detect like motive? Yeah. yeah, definitely. I try and keep uh, motives semi-vague, because obviously then you're just feeding plot points to people, which kind of defeats the point of D&D. But I think you can definitely be like, oh, this guy's got shady motives, or oh, he's not good. Yeah. Oh, he's a nuisance. Yeah, it gives you spooky vibes. <laughs> bad juju. There's bad juju on this guy. <laughs> All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the next one All here. Right. Switch uh, it up. Medicine. So, medicine is a really small, is a one sentence bit in the book. <laughs> it's exactly what you expect. It lets you stabilize a dying companion or diagnose an illness. I think those are really important things. I think they come up a lot. It comes up a lot. And also doesn't seem like there's a lot of extra junk in the player's handbook about that, actually. Because I feel like maybe you can make medicine checks to do other things as well, right? So we play in our games a kind of format with fluff and crunch which I'm sure many of you know those terms, but for those that don't, fluff is Yeah, for is the idiots of... out there who don't. <laughs> you fools! <laughs> um, fluff is how, how you imagine it in the theater of the mind. Mm. So you break your leg, maybe you won't be taking hit point damage for breaking the leg, but we've got a role play that you've got a broken leg and it's gonna take you a while to heal it. Yeah, um, so the crunch might be the disadvantage that you have on certain ability exactly, checks, but exactly. then the... So there's some things which may not have any disadvantage in the crunch, like intrinsically. Crunch is the rules as written. So if you did break your leg, yeah, maybe you'll get disadvantage or maybe not even disadvantage on things. If you're on crutches and like there's no real danger around you with you and you've got time to check things out, maybe you wouldn't get disadvantage, but I think in the fluff, in the way that you describe how you're doing things, and the way you describe the things that you can do, I think you'd have to limit yourself. So what about something like, I don't know, can you make medicine? Definitely. We have a player in our group who is very, very keen on making her own medicines with herbs and things around that she finds. And we have a kind of homebrew system for that where she makes poultices. And I use medicine as the main skill check for that. Right. Along with nature. Okay. And then can you use medicine to detect poisons? Diagnose poisons okay. effects. What about before you've 
taken it though. Like, so you've been handed this, like, you know, this old crone comes up to you in the woods and hands you a vial oh, that's of good. bubbling green liquid. Is it going to make me stronger or is it going to give me diarrhea? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that could be a medicine check. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think I would hope that you would hand that to the rogue. And the rogue would be there <laughs> with their... Because they'll have poison proficiency. They literally right. have a proficiency with a poisoner's kit. And then I'd let them roll intelligence or wisdom. Yeah, wisdom. On finding that with proficiency if they're proficient in poisons. I think that might actually be its own little uh, thing. Okay. So then that's kind of a gray area in terms of that. So stabilizing, I think that's an important part as well. Yeah. So what is stabilizing a dying companion? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> so, unconscious companion, one who's been downed in combat, is making death saving throws. Yeah. And we can talk maybe later about what that means. Yeah, I think next episode we'll come into that. Yeah, so stabilizing them returns them to zero hit points and stable, so they're not making death saving throws anymore, mm -hmm. but they're still unconscious. Yeah, so it's kind of a way, because you can also stabilize someone by just healing them. If they go into the minus, you can just throw healing fey energy at them until they reach their pluses and they're conscious again. Right? Yeah, so this is kind of like a backup then. It's really the only healing that a barbarian can do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just watch at. me. <laughs> Let me heal you with this axe. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's a really, really important one. The player's handbook doesn't quite do it justice with its one sentence, but it's definitely something you can get a lot out of. I guess because it's kind of straightforward, the only things that would be different would be, you know, checking for poultices and making medicines, maybe. Yeah, but that's that's homebrew. Yeah, that's Toby and JT rules, baby. <laughs> <laughs> rules is unwritten. <laughs> yeah, rules We're is already unwritten. going off topic. Yeah, <laughs> our, our sister channel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's the next one? All right, we're going to talk about perception now. So perception is something that also kind of, like, what falls under perception as opposed to some other things. In the book, it says it lets you uh, spot here or otherwise uh, detect the presence of something, your like awareness of something happening. But I feel like there's a lot of differences between like, what's the difference between me like looking for something and me just being generally aware of something that's happening? I think what comes into that is if you're trying to be generally aware of something, then you'll be using passive perception. I mm. think passives is something we can talk about now. It's basically 10 plus any modifiers that you would have to that check. So it's basically making a wisdom perception check and always rolling a 10. Right. But this would only be something that the DM would... Yeah, so the DM uses this to find out if you notice something or if you succeed at something, but doesn't want you to know that you're having to make that check for metagame reasons. <laughs> right, yeah, so then that would be the active perception. So when would you decide whether or not to use an active perception check versus a passive perception check? That all comes down to the player, really. If you're using an active perception check, the guy's trying to find it. You're mm. trying to find it. So maybe I... I am doing a passive perception check behind the scenes to see if you notice that stealth goblin. But then you say, something's fishy here. I want to see if I notice anyone watching us or anything. Then you can roll out a perception check. Right. And it becomes an active perception. We also roll a lot of perception whenever we do watches, when we camp or something like that. Yeah. So most of the time, rules is written. Those would be passive perception checks. Mm. I tend to make them active. I like to use Because you're standing as... watch, right? It yeah. does feel like you're looking for something. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. 
drink. I also like to use more active passive checks than most other DMs, I think, because I like to use them as breadcrumbs. I like to use them to incite drama, to incite a kind of feeling of danger and stuff that you might just not even realize is there. Yeah, and then if you get that player that rolls like a nat one, and then <laughs> you tell them they see something funky and then everyone is suddenly like very incredulous. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly, I don't believe the ranger with bonuses in perception. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it does have its downsides. <laughs> Should we talk about group roles right now? Because a lot of the times in when we're taking watch or when we're all looking out for something together, perception is one of those skill checks that a lot of the time many of us will roll at the same time. So I sometimes use group roles, which isn't in the player's handbook exactly. If you're all trying to do something, in the rules as written, if you want to help a creature do something, you give them advantage. You give them advantage. I think that's lame as balls. <laughs> um, I want you all to succeed or fail together. <laughs> so setting an appropriate DC, I'll ask you all to roll the check and divide it by the amount of people. So would you hedge the DC? Because a group roll will always be lower, even if you average it. Well, almost always be lower than the the than just the most perceptive guy. Yeah, it's it's it. really kind of just a role-playing thing more mm. than anything. It's really just to make sure everyone feel like they're involved. If you're coming to this giant draw bridge and you as a team want to pull it down and storm the castle just with raw strength, it's way more fun if everyone rolls the strength check. Everyone's in it. Instead, just barbarian with advantage. <laughs> <laughs> True. What's the next one? All right, we're going to talk about survival. Survival. Survival's a pretty straightforward one. Yeah, it is on the surface. But again, I feel like there's a lot of extra stuff that comes with this that might be in the domain of survival and might be in the domain of other things. So the straightforward bit is in the text, it says things like following tracks, hunting, guiding your group through different environments. Yeah. It says identify signs that owl bears live nearby. <laughs> Predict the weather, I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the easiest way to think about it is is this something Bear Grylls is trying to do? <laughs> if so, roll a survival check. I use survival checks for you guys to make a splint as well. Yeah, that's something Not that even isn't... a medicine check. Maybe applying the splint, I've used medicine checks before. But if you're out in the wilds and stuff and you want to make a splint out of torches... That seems to be like survival. a very common one that we have to roll, except it's not in the text. Yeah, that's that how that's how it feels intuitive to me. Yeah, like if you wanted to tie a knot, for example, that's something that comes up a lot. Yeah. It does feel like a survival type of thing. Yeah, some people would, would have you from... um, do sleight of hand. Yeah. But it's, it's really DM's discretion at the end. I think if you're out in the wilderness and tying a knot, survival. Because you're in a survival situation. Yeah. It makes more intuitive sense. Take it <laughs> Our Christmas tree fell. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Wow, that's a that's a sign, isn't it? <laughs> Christmas is down. I'll go sacrifice another goat. <laughs> Too far. Um, oh. So yeah, if you are out in the wilderness, I'll make you do a survival. If you're trying to tie a knot in a thieves initiation trial, maybe I'll make you use sleight of hand. Okay. I think it comes down to flavor a lot of it. Okay. And tracking and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Tracking's the obvious one. 
Yeah. All right, that covers all of the wisdom ones. Is there anything base wisdom that the book says? Yeah, there are some other wisdom checks. So for the other ability checks, these are just where you roll your raw wisdom yeah. modifier. Yeah. No proficiencies. So it says, get a gut feeling about what course of action to follow or discern whether a seemingly dead or living creature is undead. Both of those things sound <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's really... You could squeeze that into kind of investigation or perception as well if you really wanted to. Yeah. If you wanted to give someone a bonus on that. Yeah, it's really just kind of... Wisdom is another one that covers a lot of bases. These last three cover a lot more bases than the first three. Yeah, what is your opinion though on get a gut feeling about what course of action to follow? Does that sound like some the DM's giving you like a super hard puzzle and you're kind of like, God, yeah, <laughs> tell me what I've to do. <laughs> if they're really stuck or they're like, ah, oh, this guy's completely trustworthy. I'm like, he's a fucking green charger. He's like, nah, he's really trustworthy. <laughs> yeah, I've, you can use it to nudge, but again, it's riding a fine line because you can't just be like, by the way, roll a wisdom check. <laughs> He's evil. Yeah. <laughs> then you're just playing the game for them. You kind of got to want them to check as well, but you can use that to kind of push your players Nudge in the right direction. If stuck. Yeah, if they're stuck or they're wildly off course and you know it's going to be a bad time for everyone. Mm. So I think we have gone over for a bit. We are going to check out Charisma, the last stat standing and saving throws probably. We'll throw that in the next episode. Okay. Awesome. This was meant to be a two-parter, but we're going into three. Skills part three, coming up next. Coming at you fast. Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> Click the little bell icon. I don't know if that exists It there. helps out a lot. <laughs> <laughs>